I want us to begin this morning seeking the Lord in prayer before we come to the scriptures. Let's seek the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we come now to the preaching of your word and what we've been singing we do ask for. We, over weeks and months and even years, can speak and rejoice of mercy drops round about us, but we do pray for and long for and anticipate the showers of blessing. We pray that you would help us as we consider your truth today, work in every heart, encourage us in the things of Christ, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you a question, and that question is one that you've already been asked today, and that is, how's it going? It's a very common question. As I said, it's one that you've already been asked as you came in the door and you greeted your friends. How's it going? The most common answer to that question is... Probably just the word, fine. How's it going? Fine. Or, you may be so polite that you say, I'm doing pretty well. How about you? And then they say, all together now, fine. Right? Everybody's fine. We sometimes joke about the person who gives you the organ recital when you ask them how they're doing they start talking about all their health problems and all their organ problems and their heart problems and their kidney problems and their liver problems and intestine problems and nobody wants to hear all that right? and we joke about the way people sometimes will go through all that well sadly too often when we ask each other how's it going we don't really want to know how it's going. It's just the polite way of starting small talk between acquaintances. Well, this morning I want to ask you the question for real. How's it going? If you would be humble enough to give me an honest answer... Some of you would say, well, you know, Derek, it's not going very well at all. In fact, if you have just a minute, things are pretty bad. If you would be honest. Many of you would say that the events of your life over the past few weeks, months, maybe even have drug out to years, have just left you absolutely exhausted. You're done. I don't necessarily mean from a, a physical standpoint, like you need to go to bed earlier and you need more sleep. I don't mean that. But I'm talking about a spiritual and an emotional exhaustion. Or 
what the Bible would describe as just simply being weary. Just weary. Emotionally and spiritually beat up. I want you to turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And our text for this morning is just one verse. A verse that even many children in this church have memorized. And just by me using the word weary just a moment ago, some of you more astute already know the verse. Galatians 6 and verse 9. The Apostle Paul here, he says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This morning I want the Lord to encourage us with the truth that is found in this verse. Encourage us to such a degree that the Lord would even revive our hearts that we might rejoice in Him afresh. That the Lord would revive our hearts in such a way that He would renew to you the joy of your salvation. Because often in the, in the weariness, that, that joy of your salvation can fade away. And I want the Lord to, to rekindle that. And so if there's one thing I want you to leave with this morning as a central truth from this passage of Scripture, it is just this one very simple statement. And that is the statement, a harvest is on the way. A harvest is on the way. Now, this sounds like a sermon that you know, some Pentecostal uh, prosperity gospel Creflo Dollar kind of sermon, you know, Joel Osteen kind of sermon, a harvest is on the way. But no, that's what the verse says. This isn't prosperity gospel. This is what the Bible verse says. It says a harvest is on the way. This is a verse to people who are weary. Paul, I think it's undoubtable that Paul understood what this was like. Paul understood this weariness. Put this in the whole context of the book of Galatians. Was the whole ordeal and Paul's dealing with the Judaizers and the false teaching and and the legalism and the sectarianism and all this nonsense that was going on in the Galatians church. Can you not imagine that Paul was weary dealing with, with all this that was going on? But he continued to press on and do good among this church. So, so Paul includes this. It's not, hey, you all weak Christians stop being weary. But he says, let us. Paul includes himself in this. Let's not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's a verse that does have conditions. We'll come to that in a moment. But it's a verse that does teach us that there is a harvest to be reaped in due season. So I want us to look at this verse this morning and see how we can be sure of reaping all of the good things that the Lord has for us. 
And so I want to break this verse down just very simply into its three parts. And the first one I want you to see is just the admonition that Paul gives us, don't be weary. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing. This is a verse that I kind of ingest, uh, have mentioned at home many times to Lydia. I've I've said to her, in essence, you know, I know the Bible says don't be weary in well-doing. My problem is... I don't think I'm doing very well, right? I'm not doing very well. And so I get a pass, right? I get to be weary. No, that's not what it means. So you, you might spend a lot of your time discouraged. Maybe you feel so, so busy and so pressured and, and, and pulled in so many different directions as a mom, as a dad, as a, you know, a homeschool teacher, as a taxi driver, as a laundry person, as a this and that, and all these things and, you know, maybe Satan gets a hold of you from time to time and discourages you with, you know, you're not doing a good job at any of this stuff. I feel that way often. And I'm sure in some respects you do as well. But let me assure you of one thing, and that is that this verse is not talking to us about the perceived quality of our work. It's not talking to us about how good of a job you think you may or may not be doing in a a given area. What this verse is talking about is the moral, ethical, and spiritual nature of your work. If you have in your lap something other than a King James Bible, what you're reading there is, let us not be weary in doing good. Almost all of the other translations of scripture take well-doing in that way let us not be weary of doing good and so it speaks to us of the moral and and the ethical quality of of what we're about and so from that perspective what I'm going to assume this morning of you all is that you're engaged in doing good You, you have a heart for the Lord you want to do the right thing you want to be faithful You want to do good. You want to love your neighbor. You want to love your spouse. You want to love your kids. And so I'm going to take as an assumption this morning that you are involved in that. You're doing good. And I think Paul assumed much of the same to those that he was writing to. Don't be weary in that. But even with all those assumptions... You know as well as I do that it's so easy to get discouraged. Life's discouragements come at us over and over and over. I mentioned this morning Elijah. He, in this context, I think is just like the biblical example of this in my mind. Life's discouragements get us down so often and and make us to be weary. Elijah had just had that massive victory on Mount Carmel challenging all the prophets of Baal. And they built their altar and they did their thing and they cried and cut themselves with stones and did all they could do to get their God to answer by fire and it was nothing, just crickets, you know, no answer at all. And then Elijah prays. Elijah's heart is for the nation of Israel to turn back to the Lord, to forsake Baal to turn to Jehovah in a heart of devotion and worship to him. And so he prays. 
and, and the Lord comes and answers by fire. And you know, it's the story where they pour all the water around the altar and the fire licks up all the water, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the whole thing. And Elijah has this massive victory. And then he takes all those false prophets and at the command of God, the, the, the judicial command of God, he slays every one of them. They're dead. Well, Jezebel hears about it and sends word, Elijah, in 24 hours, you're mine. I'm going to kill you within 24 hours. And Elijah, on the heels of this great victory, is so discouraged that it didn't happen. Like, the nation was supposed to turn to the Lord. It didn't happen. And so he runs for his life. He's out in the middle of the wilderness, and he's under his juniper tree, and he says, Lord, I'm no better than my father's. And all these prophets have come before me, and they've, they've preached the same message you told me to preach. They told the people to return to the Lord. They didn't return to the Lord. I thought I was your guy. And, you know, he preached his brains out, and nobody turned to the Lord. And he said, just kill me. It's better that I wasn't even born. Just take me now. He's discouraged because things didn't go according to plan. Things didn't go the way that he foresaw them happening. Maybe things in your life have not gone the way you anticipated. Maybe things at your work have, you know, over the past couple of weeks, months, you just, you hate going to work. You're sick of it. Because it's, it, it's, it's so discouraging. Some of you, I know, we, we pray for them. Some of you have children that have gone wayward. They grew up in church. And the discouragement of children that, to a greater or lesser degree, but still have just abandoned truth and forsaken the Lord. Some of you deal with chronic health problems that ravage your body. Some of them are silent. Some of them, you know, you look at you, you look fine, but inside you feel like you're dying. Right? You have these things that are just so discouraging. It's like, Lord, why do, you, why do you plague me with this? Maybe you have marriage problems that you just hope and pray nobody ever finds out about. Many discouragements that we deal with, many of them. Another thing that can be so discouraging is you know, the, the passing of time. Time just keeps marching on and, and you keep praying and praying and there's no results. Nothing happens, nothing changes. And that's wearying. I remember when I first came into the Free Presbyterian Church. It was 1996. So it was a good little piece of time ago. And I remember one of the things that so drew my heart to the ministry of, of this denomination was the preaching of the late Alan Cairns, who died back in 2020. 
But Alan Cairns was the pastor of our Free Presbyterian Church in Greenville. And he was a cheerleader. And I say that in a very reverent way. But he was a cheerleader for the fact that revival is coming. Revival is coming. Pray for revival. And he, he was constantly telling us stories of revival. The Isle of Lewis, the, the 49 revivals, revivals of the past, the Reformation, on and on and on. And I remember sitting in those services, and I believed it. I believed what he was saying. That revival was like literally just over the horizon and here it was coming. Alan Cairns died never realizing what he preached. I'm 27 years in. And you, know, you ask yourself the question, where is this revival that he was talking about? Was he making it up? I don't think so. I don't think the Bible would leave us, lead us to believe that at all. I think the Bible would lead us to believe what I'm preaching to you today, that a harvest is on the way. That's what the verse says. I'm not making that up. This is what the verse says. A harvest is coming. You shall reap. We'll get to that in just a moment. But you shall reap. Pastor Kimbrough preaches about revival. We've read about revival. We've listened to stories about revival. We've prayed for revival. It can start to be wearying. Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year, same old, same old. You know, really what's changed? It becomes weary. And I wonder if it's so wearying that we've lost hope. And so the expectation of it is gone. And we're content with the same old, same old. Just content. We're content to be comfortable. If revival did happen, it would be uncomfortable. And most of us wouldn't know what to do. But do we really want that? Maybe you've grown weary of expecting any change in your children. Maybe you've pled with them. You, you've sat up till midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning. How many times have you talked to them over and over? Nothing. Weary. Your work, your marriage, the passing of time, no results. Just their unresponsiveness. You know, you... you yeah. How do I get through to them? What can I say? How, how can I? You try to be faithful in, in disciplining your children. And you know, you trust the scriptures. God said, spare the rod, spoil the child. And you know that. I have to administer the rod. I have to, I have to do what the Bible says. I have to be faithful. I have to be consistent. And, and, but it seems to just go in one ear and out the other ear. And you may as well be talking to the doorknob in the bedroom, right, than, than talking to your kid. 
Weariness is hard. Maybe you have a family member you've witnessed to over and over. No response. And if there is any response, it's just hardness. I was talking to some people earlier about when we were in Georgia, we were talking about door-to-door work. And when we were in Georgia, we were there six years, and we passed out thousands of tracks. We knocked on, I don't know how many doors, just over and over and over. We went all over the place. Doors, we set up booths at fairs, and we did all kinds of stuff. In all of our doing of all of it, we got one response. In all of it, we got one response. And that one response was an email asking to be taken off the mailing list. (laughs) That was all we got. You talk about wearying. It's hard. But Paul's words are to the point here. He doesn't qualify this with, unless your circumstance is this way, unless your difficulty is this kind of difficulty. It's like Paul is on the sidelines just cheering us on. Don't give up, man. Just keep going. Don't give up. Don't don't be weary and well-doing. Don't give up. Keep going. And so that brings us to the second thing. And that is simply just the, the, the bare statement, you shall reap. Don't be weary. You shall reap. This is what the verse says. And this is the Lord's encouragement to us. I know most of what I've said so far is rather discouraging, but just establishing the point that weariness is there. We're, we're not talking about some weak Christian that gets weary. The best of us are weary. But Paul says, you're going to reap. You shall reap. It's a law. Look at verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And so don't be weary. You're going to reap. You you will reap. This is one of God's laws of nature. And this promise of reaping, does it not imply that we are sowing? It's a law of reaping and sowing. And if Paul is saying here, you shall reap, well, it implies that there is a sowing that is going on. It it implies that there is a doing of good that is is taking place. And this reaping, obviously, is a spiritual reaping. We have the good seed of the Word of God, and it's our responsibility to do well in sowing that good seed of the Word of God. In whatever avenue the Lord gives us to sow that seed, but we sow that seed. Planting seeds is hard work. The the coddles, we get to benefit from their hard work. They bring vegetables to us at church. And we don't have to do anything. We just show up at church and we get okra and we get zucchini and we get tomatoes. It's wonderful. I don't want to do the hard work. I've done that. When I was a kid, my grandpa used to plant this massive garden. Like, his garden was almost the size of our church property. And I've spent hours behind a Troy Belt tiller, just, you know, tilling stuff. It's hard work. But you can't reap if you don't sow. 
If you don't put a zucchini seed in the ground, you're not going to get zucchini. If you don't put a tomato seed in the ground, you're not going to get tomatoes. You have to do the work. The temptation, though, when you're weary is to just give up. It's hard. I don't want to embarrass them, but I saw on Facebook that Lizzie and Andrew Hamilton just participated in the homeschool state championship cross-country meet. That's pretty cool. And they both did great. And so congratulations on doing great. But I can only assume that about three quarters of the way in, you're like, why, why did my mom sign me up for this? I don't know if that's how it happened or if you volunteered. You know, why, why, this, is, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to stop. Well, if they stopped, they wouldn't have done very well. But, you know, also, had they not spent all those weeks in practice sewing, running and running and running and running and practicing and practicing, they wouldn't have done very well either. It's the hard work. But we keep going. We keep sowing. So even in the weariness, Paul encourages you, don't faint. Keep going. Keep sowing. And God's law of nature is that you will reap what you sow. You will reap. That's the Lord's promise. That's, that's what the Lord encourages us with here. And so maybe you have sowed in evangelism. Maybe you have been very conscientious in, in your workplace and you're a believer and you know that you work with a lot of people that are not believers. And, and you have tried to be very careful in a good testimony and you, know, you pray for your lunch and you just want to serve the Lord. You want to do what's right. And, and the Lord has blessed you with opportunities to have a conversation with this one or that one about the things of the Lord. And, and so you have sown that seed in evangelism. Well, the Lord's promise and the Lord's encouragement to you is that you, you will reap if you don't faint. You moms, I know, have a hard go of it. But I know you, you have sought diligently to sow the seed of the Word of God into your children. And, and you, you talk to them about the Lord. You, you, or, you're in your homeschooling, you're, you're purposeful to, to make sure that they're, they're pointed to Christ even in that. You shall reap if you faint not. You, you, you've poured yourselves into the lives of your children, seeking the Lord's best for them. Keep sowing. It stands to reason, it stands to common sense, that the more seed you sow, the greater harvest comes as a result. I heard an illustration the other day that as I was working on this, I thought, man, this is, this is so good. It, it changes the metaphor a little bit, but you'll, you'll make sense of it. If you go to the ocean with a thimble, people don't sew anymore. You don't even know what a thimble is, but a little tiny thing. You go to the ocean with a thimble, and you can dip your thimble in the ocean, and how much ocean do you get? You get a whole thimbleful, the whole thing filled up. You could go with a drinking glass, and you get a drinking glass full. You can go with a bucket, 
a mop bucket, five gallon bucket, whatever bucket you want to get, and you scoop it up, you get a whole bucket full. You could go with a barrel, big 55 gallon drum, and get a whole barrel full. Well, this is where so many of us live. We want and we pray for like a whole tanker truck, like those trucks that bring the gas to the gas station. Right? We, we pray for a whole tanker truck of the Lord's blessing. But we barely have a thimble of relationship or, or investment or, or sowing to come back to our metaphor. You know, we want a tractor trailer of harvest. But our sowing is, now can the Lord, of course, the Lord does more than we do. Right? The Lord, he super abounds to us in grace. Of course he does. But we pray for a tanker truck. We, we, we pray for an 18-wheeler full of blessing. You know, and we got our little tiny, our little tiny sowing. Well, what if we sowed more? What would happen? And so Paul here directs us, don't be weary in well-doing. You're going to reap. But this, this promise of reaping is according to God's timetable. We have to understand that. From one perspective, we can look at sowing and reaping as this automatic formula, but we know it's not that way. We know there's not always that equal sign just the same way to it because look back at verse number 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing because in due season we shall reap. It doesn't take away from the fact that we shall reap. It's just, it's at the proper time. This is according to God's timetable that we shall reap. Let me encourage you with a, a story from George Mueller. Some of you might be very familiar with this, but I want to read you a little section. Bear with me. Uh, I know reading from the pulpit, you can get lost here, but bear with me in this. This is from the life of George Mueller. In November 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on land, on sea, and whatever the pressures of my engagements might be. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thanked God and prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed, and then the second was converted. I thank God for the second and prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continue to pray for them. And six years passed before the third was converted. I thank God for the three and went on praying for the other two. These two remained unconverted. Thirty-six years later, Mueller wrote that the other two sons, I'm sorry, Mueller didn't write this, but 36 years later, um, the other two sons of one of Mueller's friends were still not converted. He wrote, but I hope in God, I pray on and look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. In 1897, 52 years after he began to pray daily without interruption for these two men, they were finally converted, but after he died. 
Mueller understood what Luke meant when he introduced a parable Jesus told about prayer, saying, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, I read a story like that from George Mueller, and I have to confess to you, I don't have any idea what he's talking about. I don't have anything that resembles that kind of experience. But that's what we want. That's the kind of reaping that we long for. That's the due season that we're praying for God to do. You look in Scripture, God made a promise to Abraham, you're going to have a son. It was 25 years until Isaac was born. We give Abraham a hard time for taking matters into his own hands and going to Hagar, but it's not like he went to Hagar the next day. He, he didn't get involved in all that for 13 years. God said, you're going to have a son. And Abraham's like, well, where's the son? Well, maybe I should do it this way. It was 13 years later before he took matters into his own hands. I don't wait 13 minutes. Right? God's promise is God's promise. It's in due time. And waiting on the Lord, it might be the hardest thing that you ever have to do in the Christian life. Just waiting on God. Just waiting on Him. But let's wait on Him. That's our praying. That's what we're doing when we wait on the Lord. We pray. Why don't we as a congregation pray specifically for the Lord to bring about what amounts to years of harvest? I'm sorry, years of sowing. Years of sowing. Pray for the Lord to bring a harvest to that. Years of sowing. Corporately, yeah, but you know, Pastor Kimbrough challenged us the other week in our prayer meeting to pray specifically for children that have grown up in this church and left. And, and for some of them, it was 18 years of sowing, and they left. Would the Lord be pleased to bring about that harvest, the conversion of those, the restoration of relationships for those? I believe he would be. And so why not pray? Why not continue to pray for that, to wait on the Lord for that due season to reap what we've sown for so long. And then to wrap things up, the last thing here from this verse, and that is simply the admonition, keep doing the right thing. Keep sowing. Don't be weary. You're going to reap. You shall reap. But just keep doing the right thing. He says if you faint not, just, just keep at it. Just keep doing the right thing. And here's where it gets difficult because th this is the place in the message where you would think to yourself, I've tried to do the right thing. I've spent years trying to do the right thing. I'm wore out. How in the world can I keep going? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn to Isaiah 40. I want you to look at a passage here. I wish our sister Juanita was here with us. She may be watching on Zoom. If you are Juanita, we're coming to your favorite verse. But look at Isaiah 40. And 
Look at verse number 27. Let's start reading there. Why sayest thou, O Jacob? Isaiah 40, 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Basically what he's saying, God, why are you ignoring me? Why, why are you not intervening in my situation? Hast thou not known? So this is Isaiah now answering that question. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. There's no limitation to it. His understanding is without limits. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. Now, verse 30, that's not what we expect, right? How many times do we say, you know, we see a bunch of kids running around. You think, man, if I could just get all that energy and put it in a bottle, I'd sell it and I'd be a bajillionaire, right? Children don't get weary. They run forever. They like energize their money. And the young people, if you need a lot of work done, you get a young guy. You don't call some old guy. You get a young guy. You can work hard. And so verse 30 is, that's not what we expect. We don't expect youths to faint. We don't expect young men to fall. Verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Waiting on the Lord. That's, that's where the Lord would focus our attention in this not fainting, in this keep going. This is not a suck it up buttercup type verse. This is not a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps type verse. This is not a, well, you just need to have more resolve. You just need to be more committed. That's not it. Wait on God. Trust the Lord in your well-doing. Look to the Lord for the strength to energize you and to motivate you and to help you along so you don't faint. Because if you try to do it by yourself, you're going to faint. If you try to do it on your own, you're just going to get more and more weary. If you just try by your own strength, the arm of the flesh, you're going to fail. Straight up, you're going to fail. You might be better than the rest of us, and you might go longer than the rest of us, but you're going to fail if you do it on your own. And so our attention is pointed to waiting on the Lord, to seeking Him, to praying. We really can't do anything profitable until the Lord shows up and renews our strength. To the Lord, by His Spirit, energizes us for the task at hand, for the service that he's called us to, regardless of what it is. And so, remember this, this well-doing that we're talking about here. It's not a, a perception of how good of a job you might be doing. Now, I, I said earlier, I'm going to assume that you're, you're doing a good job. You're, you're doing good work. You're, you're involved in, 
in what the Lord has, has called you to do, whatever that is. If you're being slothful and you're not doing good, well, then that's something the Lord has to deal with your own heart about. But being weary and being slothful is not necessarily the same thing. Weariness can lead to sloth, and that's sin, but it doesn't have to. You can be weary and at the same time still give the Lord all you got. But I do, I know we're rushed on time here, I do want to make one more important point that often gets overlooked in a, in a message like this. And, and a message like this sometimes can come across with a wrong emphasis, and I want to make sure we don't go there in our, in our thinking. This is also not talking to us about the quantity of your work. And I think too many Christians get this wrong idea that a holy Christian is a busy Christian. And if I just stay busy, then everybody will think that I got it all together spiritually. I'm about the Lord's work. Right? We don't really run in these circles, but you, you, you've, you know, full-time Christian service. Right? You're, you're busy. There's nothing inherently spiritual about being busy. And that's not what Paul is talking about here either when he says, let, a, let, let us not be weary in well-doing. He, he's not talking about, well, you know, you need to take on more. You need to do more work for Jesus. That's not the point either. The Bible never points us to busyness for busyness's sake. What the Bible would point us to is faithfulness. And faithfulness in the little things. Even faithfulness in the things that you might be tempted to think don't matter because they're things nobody sees. You know, the 1130 with tears running down your cheek and you can't go to sleep because you're praying for your kid. Right? That, kind of, that kind of sowing, that kind of waiting on the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. The Bible points us to that kind of faithfulness. The Bible actually would point us to calmness rather than busyness. The Bible would point us to trusting God for a harvest, not manipulating a harvest, not coercing a harvest, not forcing a harvest, but waiting on God for one, but sowing and reaping. Keep doing the right thing. Is your weariness with children? Is it with work? Is it with marriage? Is it with a spouse? You know, some of these things, you know, and sometimes in Christian circles, when we have these problems, we're embarrassed by them. We don't want anybody to know that we're weary. Right? So we say, we're fine. Right? I'm fine. We don't want anybody to know that there's problems. We don't want anybody to know that you know, our home's a train wreck. We don't want anybody to know that my wife and I fight all the time. We don't want anybody to know that I hate going to work. 
We're not supposed to think that way. And so it's embarrassing. Seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel to point you in the way of the Scriptures. Maybe your weariness is your own sin. I've not brought that one up. Pastor Kimbrough's recently been in Romans 7. And Paul's struggle. The thing that I know I'm supposed to be doing, I don't ever do that stuff. The stuff I know that is against God's law, I know it to be sin. I keep over here all the time. And Paul, as it were, throws up his hands and he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Are you weary of your own sinfulness? Well, keep repenting. Keep taking it to the Lord. Keep repenting and forsaking sin. Keep looking to Christ for your satisfaction. Keep fighting against it. Don't be weary in well-doing. Keep fighting. Keep keep. Sowing to yourself in righteousness. Keep putting off the old man. Keep putting on the new man. Keep going. Don't give up. You shall reap if you faint not. Maybe I'm only preaching to me. But I don't think so. Paul is encouraging us today to keep pressing on. To not give up. A harvest is on the way. A harvest will come. A harvest will come in due season. And so pray. Pray for yourself that the Lord would renew your strength. Pray for those that you are friends with and you're privy to private things and you know their struggle. Pray for the Lord to bring a harvest in those difficult circumstances. Pray for renewed strength to sow in prayer. Pray for the Lord to bring a harvest in your own heart and in our congregation, in our denomination for the revival that we seek, the harvest that the Lord has told us is over the horizon. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you this morning that we can be encouraged by your word. You don't lead us to passages like this to mock us. You've not put things like this in the scriptures to mock us. You've not told us that we shall reap if we faint not, only to have in your purpose for us to fall flat on our faces. And so we... We come to verses like this with an expectation that you will do for us the things that we seek. We, we pray that you would lead us to be careful to seek that which is according to your will. And we do believe that our pursuit of holiness, our pursuit of righteousness in ourselves and in those that we love, our children, our homes, our church, our communities... We believe that to be according to your will. We believe the salvation of sinners to be according to your will. And so we pray that you would bring a harvest that we expect. Do us good for Christ's sake. Pray that you'll bless our Lord's day. Bring us back this evening under the sound of your word again. 
And we ask it in Jesus' name.